Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Comedy Film Nerds Podcast. Episode 322, my name is Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini, and a lot of things to talk about, not just movies. We're going to be talking about, although, The Nice Guys, Where to Invade Next. We're going to be talking about The Invitation as well, but some PodFest announcements and some other interesting juicy tidbits. (laughs) (laughs) This has become a gossip show. (laughs) Who's dating who in Hollywood? (laughs) Hold on, let me get my sun hat. Get a son at. Uh, yeah, I know we got a lot of new listeners. Many of you have emailed us. Um, so some of you are just stumbling across the show. This is a weekly movie review show. So we're going to talk about all those films uh, Chris just listed. And uh, we've got a, a delightful guest. First time guest. First time. We've got a lot of first time guests. We've been mm-hmm. banging out a lot of newbies. Yeah. Um, that sounded creepy. It did. We, yeah. <laughs> we're going mm-hmm. to gang bang this next guest. Oh, that and, sounded even worse. Well, how, yeah. Why? Yeah. I think you took it the wrong way. <laughs> Well, one went from like a casual, that's a mistake, to aggressive gang. (laughs) Really deliberately weird. Really has put me in a weird place. Um, Well, there's his voice, ladies and gentlemen. Let's introduce him from the Crab Feast podcast, Jay Larson. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I like being a newbie. You know what I mean? In comedy, you're not you know you're not the newbie anymore no. after 15 <laughs> years. Yeah. So it's nice to be like, oh, am I new to you guys? Yep. <laughs> Will you accept me? Now, because uh, I just did the crab feast a, a few weeks back, and it was nice. it was so fun too. And uh, it was one of the things I was talking about this movie that I thought was great was the invitation. And he goes, you know, I was in that right. And uh, and then I think I might have pretended I'm like oh yeah yeah I don't like, remember a minute no, not at all and then uh, <laughs> not not uh, memorable yeah <laughs> and then I realized that um, I'm like oh that's right you were that character and uh, and then I we were talking about it I'm like oh we have to have you because it's such an amazing film I wanted to have you on here to get into some of the details on how it was made and um, what it was like shooting it because it looked really really cool on screen for sure yeah no I love that. Um, I want to talk about briefly because we've had Ryan on your co-host on Crab Feast, and I apologize. I heard the reviews weren't good. <laughs> yeah, what's that dude's problem? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the thing I loved when I was on Crab Feast, I said this about your show. I felt like it was like a cop interrogation. Like I would love to cast you two guys as cops because you're going into now. Maybe it was just my episode because I had sort of a shady childhood. Well, that's because we said to Graham, "Have you ever been arrested?" And he was like, "Yeah." I- yeah, I think I was arrested. Yeah, I was arrested. I've been arrested twice. We're like, oh, okay, cool. So we'll talk about it. He's like, actually, oh, hold on a second. Uh, three times. Yeah. Three times <laughs> yeah. I was arrested. And, and in fact, we started our episode when they're like, you know, well, I, we know you haven't been arrested, at least not as many times as Graham. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So that that was a very memorable episode for everyone. Well, I was sitting between the two Every of them. guest hears about this, Every, about your, <laughs> the amount of time you've been arrested. Well, I guess maybe it was just my episode, so maybe maybe it's not your show every episode. But I was sitting between the two of them. Uh-huh. And so, like, if there was, like, cops. Like, they go, so what happened? Now, why was this? And then... That's what we do. We get down to the bottom of it. Because yeah, yeah. everyone forgets when you retell a story, you yeah, know, you just, don't remember stuff because uh-huh. it's so normal to you. You know what's funny is I get to see you guys have the same dynamic that I have with Rye. It's like you have like another wife. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when work, I saw you come wife. in, I go, where's uh, Graham? You're like, oh, he's eating. You yeah, know what I mean? Is. Like, and he just comes out of the house. Like, yeah. you know, like that's just like. Yeah. In a robe. You, you, yeah. And 320, how many episodes? 320. Good yep. Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you guys still look at each other in the <laughs> face? It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. 
see, we're not facing each other. I don't know if yeah, you can. Yeah. I won't look him in the eye. Yeah. I want him looking at me. We actually have a yeah. curtain up between us. Yes. The, <laughs> the listeners can't see this. Um, but yeah, that's what I think. And I love, though, when I was on, and I was, all of a sudden, I said something, and then Ryan goes, yeah, 10 minutes in, I got you copping to a B&E. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I, yeah, I had a sorted past. How long have you guys been doing Crab Feast now? We've been doing it four years, so we're, mm-hmm. we hit 200 episodes a couple weeks ago, nice. I think. Yeah. Nice. So not quite, you know comedy film nerds but, um, <laughs> but, but you do live shows too right yeah we do live shows mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you know, we know you've been on la Podfest a couple of times yeah we did mm-hmm. Podfest, which was great we had aisha tyler and al madrigal was like one mm-hmm. of the best shows where al, al madrigal just starts telling stories and you find out his family's insane <laughs> that's like the best thing about it is you get like to the root of it but yeah, yeah. Uh, we've done south by southwest and we've mm-hmm. done a bunch of, we're going up to bridgetown again this year to do nice. it oh that'll be fun yeah it's mm-hmm. always a great time when mm-hmm. you get to go to a festival and just a bunch of people that they all they care about his comedy you're like right. oh it's nice to be around you yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. the it's the those types of festivals are the best the bridgetown's a lot of fun and and uh that's what i love there are no angry comps at a festival yeah there's you nobody know? that just yeah. like Ugh, why yeah. it's an office party or yeah. my wife yeah. brought me or, well see there's with, no bachelorette parties at a festival no no, no. and in comedy and and movies are two things that people that have never done them or been a part of them have an opinion on them. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. Right. Yeah. So when you're at a like comedy festival or you have a a movie podcast, the people that come to you actually have knowledge because they're always listening, which yeah. has got to be refreshing. Like when a, like a comic fan comes up to you after a show and starts talking comedy to me, and they're like, "Oh, I'm probably boring you." I'm like, "No." I can't talk to anyone else like this. Yes, you right. know what I mean? No one else <laughs> exactly. knows as much as you know. So I know, and I think too that the podcast has definitely um, educated. I think the, the the comedy fan now is so much more knowledgeable because they get to listen to all of us talk about the road and all that and what comedy's like. And and I, many of them are like and the struggle. Like they they you might think it's glamorous, and you like you find out like oh man, are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I, people hate me sometimes. You yeah. know? Have you ever been hated? On a daily basis, yeah. yeah. Ever people write you emails? I got one a couple weeks ago, like, fuck yeah. you, I hope you die a hot death or something like well, that. Well, I mean, some are justified, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen Graham's act. It is, it is, it is. I should die. My act is pretty horrible. And then, uh, you know, sometimes there's another show, so you like, you can't leave, so you're like there. Or, right. Yeah, you know, and right. and, uh, and if it's a Vegas show, they would make you do a meet and greet afterwards. So no matter how horrible you bombed, you had to look at every single oh, person coming out. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> the worst I heard was Barry Diamond. Do you remember Barry Diamond? Yeah, I know he was on an episode of Seinfeld and stuff. I guess mm-hmm. he did a cruise ship, mm-hmm. and they hated him. Like they booed him. Like he made people upset, and they held a they helicoptered him off the ship. They're like, "You got to get out of here, man!" Like there's yeah. like mutiny happening. Mm-hmm. That's well, I know, I know some guys that work cruise ships, and they're just like, oh, man, I, I try not to go out in gen pop because he's like, I'm doing these shows, and it's all these, like, blue hairs, and some old guy gives, starts giving me comedy advice, and I'm just like, yeah. no, it's because you guys suck. You're a shitty audience. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this stuff kills in a regular club. Yeah. I like that they call it gen pop, like a prison. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's my term. Yeah. But, <laughs> Everything's everything's jail and prison. <laughs> yeah, everything clearly. Um, but I want to thank every speaker of that. I want maybe thank, it was a prison boat. I was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was referring yeah. to. I was on, a, I was on a, a, a floating prison barge. Yeah. Um, All right, an incarceration flotilla. Yeah. <laughs> flotilla. Is that a real word? Yeah. 
I'm like the dumbest person you ever had. <laughs> so I, I, got, I, I, I really say this real quick. Yeah. I just want to thank. I did actually thank some people that came out too. Sure. I did the Irvine Improv last Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was a blast. Um, mm, not what I heard. <laughs> Well, one, a couple comedy film nerd fans came up uh, mm-hmm. and said, hey, and one guy's excited about, about earbuds and everything. So that was cool. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming out. That was good business. Cool. Uh, now, I, I got to say, I've been really excited to hear your take on the nice guys, because here, here's a couple of things. Uh, Neil saw it, and there's a review on the site. He did a written review, and he said this was definitely a an, a, uh, an instance of trailer side where the trailer was awful, but he really liked the film. And uh, a little trivia, it was originally meant to be a TV series, mm-hmm. shot in Atlanta, although it takes place in 1970s Los Angeles. And you may not have noticed this, but many Lord of the Rings references in this film. Uh, no, I didn't notice those, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Misty Mountains. Uh, Gosling wears a ring on his chain around his neck. And at the Bel Air party scene, a man is dressed as a tree ent. Is there any Led Zeppelin in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> there has to be. There's some. There has to be. Um... All right, here's what I'm going to say about this. I did not like it as much as Neil did. Okay. Um, The fact that it was originally meant to be a TV series does not surprise me because that is kind of the problem that I had with this movie. It started out... Overall, there's some funny stuff in it. These two guys are very funny together. Um, and, and that is what carried the movie for me. It had, if it were to have lesser actors, I would have been like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosling, I mean, I think is hilarious anyway. He's so good and at so that. so good looking. What's he say? Oh, he's so hot. As, as, as like us, he's very good at delivering the straight line. And, and because he's a good actor... He does that thing. This is what sells it. When you're being the dumb guy saying dumb things, but you don't think it's dumb, you think you're mm-hmm. being smart. He does that really well, and he, mm. and his character, he's pretty dumb in this his movie. Right. Um, there's some definitely funny scenes, but then there's just a lot of falling and bumping into stuff, and oh, he's too drunk. And I was just like at a party, and I was like, Ugh. oh, so maybe a production consultant was Kevin James. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was. It was, it was <laughs> taking pops. <laughs> Cake and pops, K. James. <laughs> yeah, it did get a little Paul Blardy at yeah. times, and I was like, uh, you know, that was that was the thing because it starts out, and it's 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 funny, but it's kind of grounded in reality, and mm. which I like, and maybe this is just a personal preference thing, and I always, we all and, and I know we've talked about this before on the show, but it bears <clears throat> repeating that. Yes, I'm way more critical of a comedy film than anything mm-hmm. else because we're comics. That's just we're thinking we're breaking down the joke, the joke structure, sure. and right. we're not just going there having fun and, and um, like this theater full of morons that laughed at every goddamn dumb thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what, it was it did get a good reaction when you were in the theater. They loved it. People mm-hmm. loved it. It's got I think a seventy one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's. I can. It's an entertaining movie. I'll say that it's it's mm-hmm. worth it's worth seeing in that sense. I'm obviously more hypercritical of the comedy. In the beginning, I really liked it because it was rooted in reality and and it was just funny their interaction and their life and the seventies. And it had probably some place to go. It had some place to go, and they were rooting at these you know tr- they're trying to solve a caper, and it keeps getting unraveled, and it seems more. Which was interesting at first. You're like, oh, wow. So I was sort of engaged in the like, oh, let's solve the crime. And it's funny watching these two guys interact with each other. Right. But then the reasoning behind- But are they detectives? Like, what are, what are they? 
They are, yeah. Ryan Gosling is a private private eye, mm-hmm. and um, Russell Crowe is is just like a he's like an enforcer guy. Like he pays people that like he's not gladiator. He's not not in this movie. No, he should have been. That would have been great if he was just full gladiator mode. But like, so there's that going on, and it's fine. It's fine. And 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 then they're trying to uncover stuff. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But then when you when the actual like crime and the reasons is uncovered, it's very sort of convoluted and ridiculous. And then there's just some. So I sort of started to tune out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two guys are engaging. Okay. Like, uh, I, so if you're hypercritical of comedies, you might not like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? That's a pretty good disclaimer. It, it, yeah. it's, it's, if you just think, if you watch the trailer and go, this looks like it could be funny, you're probably going to enjoy it, mm-hmm. is, is the best way I could describe this. And and I do like these two guys together. Can I ask a question? Sure, sir. When you say it was, you could uh, you could see why it was a TV show turned into a movie. Is that because it was? I feel like sometimes when that happens, is there there is no end. They just get into story, and they're just like, "Oh, this will be the premise. We'll let the premise try and take itself, but then it just doesn't conclude." That's exactly right. That's exactly why I was not that. It that, felt like a pilot. It did. It felt mm-hmm. like a pilot, and and it ended on, uh, as a pilot. It ended like a oh, these guys are going to be back for more hijinks. Like so, it really was about. It's not about the solving the crime. It's just about these two guys every week got a crazy caper and they bump oh, into yeah. people and bonk each other on the head. Mm. So that's... It was Shane Black's A-team. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the best I can describe it. Like, if you if you just want some sort of silly, mindless comedy entertainment, this is fine. Mm-hmm. This is fine for that, you know? Um, they... You know, there's a scene they you see the outside of the comedy store a couple times, because um, Russell Crowe kind of apparently like sort of lives above it or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he's in like the, in the belly room. Yeah, he, well, he walks <laughs> above, and then there's these like obvious like only if you're a comic in L.A. would you know this. Like he walks into the comedy store, like oh shit, that's the comedy store. And then cut to he's walking upstairs, and I'm like, oh that there's no there's no staircase yeah. there that goes to an apartment <laughs> complex, you know. Like, yeah. like, uh, but. That's just kind of funny, and that's why the the thing about the shooting in Atlanta makes perfect sense because there's a lot of L.A. exteriors. There's a lot of either stock footage and or CG. Let's CG Los Angeles to look like the '70s, right? And the fact that it was so smoggy back then, they mm-hmm. they put that in there, right? Um, to hide the humidity in Atlanta, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. Then there's just a lot of like establishing shot cut to oh hey soundstage right or or whatever but mm-hmm. um, so that's sort of interesting but it's okay it's an all right film all right so uh, I saw Where to Invade next this is Michael Moore's new documentary and you know what I will preface this by saying I like Michael Moore I generally like his films uh, this movie was not what I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be more of an indictment of how we're invading all these different countries and how, you know, it'd be satirical and where else we would invade, but it isn't. It's more about him going to different countries on his own, you know, with the little premise of like pretending to invade and taking their ideas on healthcare and uh, prison population and, and all the, all these um, school lunches, like all these different ideas. Um, employees and um work weeks and vacay paid vacation paid all all these things and what the one interesting thing about this film was that as he went to these different countries and saw that uh 
um, like say workers in Italy get like eight weeks paid vacation, something like that. And, uh, um, you know, he presents, obviously it's Michael Morse was very one-sided. He presents it to the Italians as saying, well, in America, there's no paid vacation. Nothing is guaranteed. And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of people work for companies that get paid vacation in this country. It's not just, there's not a law that says you have to get paid vacation, but it does exist here, the paid vacations. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, one of the things that did strike me that I did like about the film is that as we're going through all the different things about education, school lunches, law enforcement, um, a lot of th- the one thing that kept coming back is like, well, this was an American idea, like no cruel and unusual punishment. So you have one country where you see the prisons are actually um, basically these prisoners are in houses but they just can't leave like the grounds and that's how they get rehabilitated he goes well it's in your constitution it's no cruel and unusual punishment so it's interesting to see like you know a lot of these european countries took our ideas but used them better <laughs> in, in certain ways well they didn't ways. make them dumber yeah yeah they didn't and dumb uh, them up the way yeah they- <laughs> um like like in um one country they actually put bankers in jail for destroying the economy and they based uh, the prosecutions on our savings and loan scandal that happened years ago. Wow. Where people actually went to jail and there were actually prosecutions. But and that's a, Chris, that's not, doesn't make sense because banks should be able to buy their way out of that <laughs> shit since they own the government. Why yeah. are we? Well, you're in <laughs> luck because now uh, that's how things work. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Great, great, great. <laughs> so it, it, the thing that I didn't like about it is that this was like a low rent Michael Moore movie. You could tell the budget was like next to nothing. Like when you look at like his other bigger documentaries, everything from uh, um, Bowling for Columbine, Sicko, and um, Fahrenheit. 9-11, you know, there's, there's larger budget films with a much larger, perhaps, staff, including the writing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, like, this is basically, there's very little humor in this. It, it's him, you know, because you see the credits, written, directed, produced, Michael Moore. So mm-hmm. there's not, there wasn't a lot of help, mm-hmm. I think, creatively. And so the humor just comes from him occasionally making, like, an offhanded remark or a comment and stuff, which is still funny. He's still a really funny guy, but... <laughs> He's in his 60s now. He's a little more curmudgeonly, I guess we could say. And uh, it lacks that satirical bite that his other movies had and also just kind of that smart comedy that they did. Um, And also, but everyone expects it to be pretty one-sided when you look at a Michael Moore documentary. The other thing he even says, it's like, uh, he even acknowledges it. Look, a lot of these countries have a lot of problems too, but we're not here for that. We just want to pick what they're doing right, which was interesting. Like one of the things that they showed in France was the school lunches. Um, They're made by a chef. Like the kids are eating food made by chefs and they treat. But how are you going to have a lot of childhood obesity? Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Literally. I'm like, no, Graham, you don't. (laughs) I've seen pieces before on that. And like some have wine. They'll put like wine in the Mm -hmm. soup. And these kids are like, they, you know, they, eating soup right. for lunch and they're all like yeah yeah no big deal yeah oh right. and it's uh they the thing that really struck me too is they treat lunch like a subject like like they're actually learning like they learn nutrition they learn social oh, skills they learn manners all those things so it's a longer <clears throat> it's like an hour but it's considered a class which yeah. is really interesting the thing that so gets so frustrating i think about america is we have the potential like on paper, this country's perfect. Like the Constitution, the Bill of Rights right. is perfect. And then you see there's, and again, it gets we twisted around. Well, the, what you're saying in this film, 
we have lit the way for so many other countries. Yes. And now we're like going in reverse. I was right. reading this article on The Economist going, because I know he, in, in reading the description of this film on IMDb, you know, he obviously talks about, like you said, the prison system. Right. America has 5% of the world's population and 20% of the world's prison population. Right. Like we are just, it's just, and no one is getting rehabilitated in the American right. prison system. They're coming back worse. Right. They're, they're better criminals yeah. when they go to our prison system. They're not getting rehabilitated. And you watch this stuff and it seems such it's, a simple it, fix. It's a high uh, rate of return criminals for oh, sure. yeah. And one of the things uh, he- And then like this like- well, why would you, it's such a simple thing. Like, well, let's make lunchtime. Let's teach kids about nutrition at lunchtime. Right. And, and this is where Michael Moore is such a great uh, documentary filmmaker. Like he's eating lunch with the kids mm-hmm. and he's like, man, I couldn't, there's nowhere I could find a Coke. So ever, all the kids are drinking water. He's got a bottle of Coke and he's trying to make one of the kids drink the Coke. <laughs> he's oh like, my God, here, try the great. Coke, try it, try it. And when it, and my kids are like, no, that's okay. And then one kid does try it. Puts it down. And is like, yeah, it's okay. It's good. Like, like no, like addiction to sugar or yeah. any of those things. And uh, one of the things I did like too, some of the uh, interviews were very insightful. Like one of them said, "Look, you can't just change one thing." Like one of the things is decriminalizing drug use. You know, one country is like, "Well, yeah, we dim- it's not illegal. It, it's not illegal to use drugs here." And uh, and Michael Moore goes, "Oh, I'll bring that back to America." He goes, "You can't." You can't bring that back without also having a healthcare system that deals with addiction and help and right. all those things combined. Because you can't just legalize drugs without having these support systems in place. Now, the math gets a little fuzzy with like taxes. You know, to get all these extra services, these countries have higher taxes. But uh, he makes again a good point where we're not paying the taxes, but we're paying it in healthcare costs and oh, college tuitions and yeah. all these things, and it ends up being more in the long run. Uh, like, you know, I've said it on this program before, like, you know, I have two kids and we're on, quote, good health insurance with my, my wife's job. And we pay thousands of dollars a year in copays and premiums and all these things. And like, I'd rather just pay a tax every year and know that everything is covered. So there, yeah. there's some work to do for sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, but- <laughs> you know an interesting thing? I read a great article when you said, like, you, you felt those the writing lacked a little mm-hmm. there's a great article about louis show that he put out on his you know louis ck put out yeah, on his yeah. website uh-huh. saying that he may have benefited if he had done it with a network by getting notes because sometimes when you're writing everything and producing i read that it, exact article yeah you yep, know it's and true it's you know you don't want to take something out of the hands of an amazing artist right like louis ck or michael moore but sometimes you know sometimes you, you need a little need structure to bounce something off yeah. one another you know what i mean yeah. like what would this podcast be if it was right. just chris you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> I think, I mean, it would be all over the place. It's uh, the, it, the podcast would have a lot of nuance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Chris what, says that word yeah. a lot. That's why. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the things I was thinking back as I was watching this documentary too, and I've seen a lot of Michael Moore's work. Is I think my favorite work of his is still TV Nation when he did that TV show, and because it was a staff, and he was it was like him firing on all cylinders Mm -hmm. like not only was he making these amazing points he was bringing light to everything from like gun control to the taliban in afghanistan years before Mm -hmm. you know you know we invaded afghanistan but there was a team of writers comedians producers i mean janine garofalo had a bunch of segments in there that were hilarious it's it's such a great point uh jay that you brought up about and it's good that louis kind of admitted that because that is that can be obviously 
and us as comedians in, in Hollywood, we've all talked about this on our podcast and privately. Like the network executive can be just get in the way and make, make too many notes. But if it's done, there are some executives that actually kind of know what they're doing, yeah, and can give good notes. And and you do need. We've talked about it on this show, like directors, like. Um, uh, wow, that's a loud helicopter that's going. Well, over your yeah, head. it's got to be a Google helicopter. That's a then. Google helicopter yeah. coming over our head, man. What's the Google helicopter doing? Exactly, guys. <laughs> guys, <laughs> don't worry about it, Jay. Um, but like, by the way, we're happy that the Google helicopter is on board. Is over us. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> it's, wa- it's watching us over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Google <laughs> helicopters uh, funded by the NSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but I mean, <clears throat> it's like we've talked about. Like Robert Rodriguez, I, I think is a really good director but then he always like i edit and do everything and it's like sometimes you know it's not afraid to have other people involved especially with film and tv and they're the when you can get people that are the best at what they do you know what i mean like i always in projects that i've like making my own shorts and stuff i'm like i give it to the editor i'm like go ahead and like i just did a new album they're like all right we got to cut down you want to listen to it and i'm like why I, I thought you did it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I trust you. Do your job, and then I can go do mine, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, too, when you when you get someone, like you say, that's the, the best at their job, they're going to make your thing better. Right. Yeah. If you get the right person, and you mm-hmm. guys, and they get what you're trying to go for, mm-hmm. and your vision and everything like that, they're going to do stuff that you go, wow. Yeah. That's yeah, something definitely. we can talk about when we get into, talk about the invitation yeah. later, is like, editing should be, people forget, I feel like editors are also a director. Let's get, they, let, well, let, let's yeah. do get into it. So let's do, uh, I want to wrap up, and then we'll do a sponsor. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the things I want to say about this film, just in conclusion, it's not wasn't my favorite Michael Moore movie. It had its moments, mm-hmm. uh, but there there were definitely some interesting parts to it, but not his best. Not his best, yeah. But he yeah. but he does always if he's bringing there's always something interesting, interesting in there. Points, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we have a sponsor this week, touchofmodern.com. And with Father's Day coming up, you know there's a lot of cool stuff going to be on there. And we love Touch of Modern, and we also love when you guys tweet what you bought at Touch of Modern, because it's even a lot of times stuff that we missed, right? like as we're looking through uh, <laughs> the website. Uh, always cool Star Wars stuff, always um, cool kind of like iPhone chargers, like solar stuff. A lot of survivalist gear. Not sure what that's about, but I'm I'm on board. I think, I th- I think we're all going to need it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they're also having a... Uh, I just want to know how we're going to charge things when the sun goes dark. But, <laughs> you know, I guess that's next month. Uh, <laughs> we'll worry about that next month. And also right now they're having a sale. It ends at midnight uh, today on May 24th, an additional 15% off everything. Uh, there's this cool screwdriver, like there's, uh, these hand carved candles. I just got these urban bike shoes. Um, so I ride my bike a lot and the nor traditional so you ordered them. Yeah. Yeah. I got them. They're in the mail. Um, so I, the normal bike shoe is this big, hard thing that you, you know, when you drive right around in a $3,000 bicycle, or if you're like a hardcore cyclist, but they've got shoes that are like comfortable shoes that you can, there's two different kinds they have. One goes for on- For the other 99%? For the other 99%. <laughs> one goes onto a pedal mm-hmm. that you can use the pedal. And then the other just also has sort of a, it's for a, it doesn't click into a pedal, but it has just sort of a more of a grip. It can grip a pedal more if you don't like 
using pedals because it's sort of a different thing. But you pull them off. You can. So walk if you don't around. like using pedals, how would you ride your bike? I'm sorry, I didn't say that correctly. <laughs> the clip-in ones, right? The clip-in ones. Yeah. If you don't like the clip-in pedal that connects to your your foot, Chris is a jackass. He does. This is why I have a curtain drawn, and I don't. Yeah. I don't want to look at him because he says dumb things like this. <laughs> He's putting you on the spot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I am. these are hard, type, tough yep. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about your bike with no pedals. Yeah, my pedalless bike. <laughs> no, if you don't like the clip-in <laughs> shoes, because here's the thing: clip-in shoes are mainly for longer. You're just going on a long ride. If you're yeah. if you're doing a lot of and for formal affairs and for formal affairs, <laughs> right? If you want to do a tap dance number yeah. after you cycle 26 miles, you get out in your spandex and yeah. you challenge. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. There's watches. There's underwear. I'm done talking about this because I think Chris doesn't get it. Uh, there's there's really sexy lingerie. So there's a lot of purposes uh, for this. There's a, there's watches too, right? Yeah, there's all kinds of watches. There's a portable mm. grill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Bluetooth tire monitoring. Monitoring. That's insane. Look at this stuff. I've gone to that. So the best thing about that site is how unique things are. You know what I mean? And they're like only there for like a day, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. They go yeah. quick, man. So uh, it's, it's one of those sites where you go. I didn't know I needed that, but I need that mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's it's. Well, I've actually been looking for a new pair of bicycle shoes, and I got it. And there's no. Um, there's no setup fees there are no membership fees there's nothing and you just go in you type in your email address you are good to go and uh if you see something you like get it right away because the next day it will go and if you refer a friend you get twenty dollars in your account yeah get a little taste get Get some money (laughs) you've earned it get a little taste and father's day is coming up don't forget there will be actually there's some cool sections too just for uh, father's day gifts yeah and if you don't know or like your dad you can just get yourself something cool <laughs> touchamodern.com <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's talk about now uh the invitation, the invitation. now we yeah. chris you talked about this movie a couple episodes I, back, I did, but jay it, you were in it and mm-hmm. we also talked about it um on the crab feast podcast sure. and, we, uh, and i want to the, the couple points that i want to hit for sure is uh first of all it's a great horror movie but it also does the thing that all horror movies do correctly all great harmonies do it was treated like a drama the writing directing and all the acting was treated like a drama mm-hmm. and uh tell us uh jay about how that kind of came about well so i'd also like to say there are a lot of moments of comedy in it you know what i mean i know it plays out like a drama but like i think what the writers and the director were trying to do at least what they conveyed to us was mm-hmm. they really wanted it to feel like real life you know yes. the whole thing takes uh-huh. place at a dinner dinner party and like you were saying, you know, it's grounded in reality, mm-hmm. and it literally feels like you showed up to a dinner party, and this could happen to anybody, right? You know, and mm-hmm. what unfolds after that. So, which is something that I appreciate. I mean, I read the script before I went in to meet for it, and I read it, and I look, came to my wife. I'm like, like you know, I don't read a script super quick. Sometimes it takes me two hours, you know. And like 45 minutes in, I came out to my wife. I'm like. Whew, this is going to be intense. She's like, is it good? I'm like, yeah, it's really, really good. The right, like just, you know, sometimes reading on the page can be awesome. Then you see it afterwards and it's not great. But from start to finish, when I started reading, I'm like, this is amazing. And then it turned out to be great. And now was it the kind of thing where you, did you just go in and have like a regular audition for it? Did you sort of meet the director or what was the process for you getting into yeah, it? Yeah. Luckily I didn't have to audition nice. because if I did, I probably wouldn't have got it. <laughs> Um, but what had happened was... I will say, though, you did an amazing job in the Thank film. you. Thank you Absolutely. very much. But, I, you know, this is another thing that I don't think a lot of people know. There is a, a vastly 
greater difference between auditioning and acting. Auditioning is a things. totally different yes. skill set. Mm-hmm. Your ability to go into a room with nothing around, and it's just really tough, and you have to be charismatic. I mean, it's just different. And you're reading someone across a desk who's like looking at a laptop going... No, I do love you. Why yeah, do you? It's mm-hmm. so it's ridiculous. I, I equate it to this. There's that scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid when they go down to Bolivia, right? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get the job as the security guard, and he's like, "Shoot that target!" And he's like, "Can I draw?" No, you can't draw. And he's got to aim and shoot, and he's awful. <laughs> yeah. And Paul Newman's and 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 Robert Redford is the, he's the hot gun, right? And he can't hit the target. Because he's supposed to, he's, they're giving him all of these constraints, right? Yeah. And then Paul Newman's like rolling his eyes and then he, and then he goes, ah, you can't hit the target. And then he puts the gun back in his thing. He goes, can I draw off? Sure. And he just goes, bam, 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 bam. And it's, that's what I feel like when you're on set and there's actors and you're, you're, you've. It, you're in a world. You're in a world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then, or even like, especially like, you know, you audition for a lot of comedy stuff. And it's like we're used to being on stage in a comedy club with an audience that has come to see a comedy show, even if they don't know who you are. And have come to see the words and ideas that we've created. Yes. Now we're reading someone else's and have to make those come to life. Right. You know? mm-hmm. um, luckily, what happened was the guy who had my role, who is a much bigger, more established actor mm-hmm. by far, um, he dropped out. Something came up. So they quick were like, we need someone. It starts next week, which, again, you would think in this business that things are locked in forever. They're not. Never. They (laughs) they start shooting movies and don't even have the rest of the money, you know? Oh, yeah. Or the script. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And luckily, I went in and they were like, can you go in tomorrow and go meet the director on set? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, here's the script. I read the script. I went in the next day. They're like, she's meeting with three people. You're one of them. They liked your tape. And I was like, okay. You know, they showed them like my stand up and like shorts that I'd been in and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And I went in and I met her. And you know what it was is I got like a really strong grasp of the script and the character. So I was able to sit there and tell her like, well, you know, this is... I would like say, I'm like, this is kind of what I think Ben's whole thing is. And I would start right. breaking down to her who he was. And she's like, yes, yes. And then we just kept talking about it. And then I think something that was like really important to her was because we were shooting at one location and everyone was going to be close quarters. And right. she had said to me, she's like, I just want to let you know that this is going to be, there's no egos on this set. We're all going to be in close quarters. Mm-hmm. No one's getting dressing rooms. Like you had, all the guys were in one room. All the girls right. were in another room. And, that's and when these you are, responded, well, there's going to be some egos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, there was not one bit of drama. Like I have that friends that are in movies and they're like, dude, the drama hit today. Yeah, and my yeah. friend asked me and I'm like, no. And I'm talking, you know, we had... John Carroll Lynch, man. That yeah, dude's yeah. been in huge movies. And mm-hmm. Mikael Hauschman's on Game of Thrones right now. Right. Was in Treme, and Logan was in Prometheus, and everyone's in these big-time actors, and there was no... And I said to her, I'm like, let me tell you something. I just got done shooting a bar travel show, and now I have a chance to come do some real work with heart and soul. You're not going to get any ego out of me. And, like, at the end of the meeting... And, you know, Karen directed Girl Fight, and she... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's mm-hmm. directed some really amazing movies. She's like, I got a good feeling about you. And I was like, all right. And I left, and then I got the call, and I was like, oh, boom, this yeah, is amazing. Great. And I started shooting, uh, like, four days later. Wow. And I was so nervous when I showed up to set. So, so nervous. So how was, like... This is something that I think a lot of our fans might not know, is just the process of 
shooting your scenes and what that's like in terms of the actor. So you've got the script, but they're shooting your scene and the line memorization and how like a scene... Because it's a hybrid script. That's right. one of the things that makes it harder. You, you're looking at like a horror movie, a drama movie, but there's light moments in it yeah. too. Like it's so easy for the tone to go off the rails yeah. in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. And But to keep it real and to keep it grounded even when you're going light dark like that that's a challenge for an actor yeah right? you know what's funny is the writers were there every day because mm-hmm. they were also producers okay and it was almost like it was almost like people were like assigned to different act it, i don't think that was the case but karen really didn't have much interaction with me there were times where she'd be like all right jay you know blah 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 with mm-hmm. this and that i'm like all right but the writers were always giving me little little notes and little beats. And right. they're comedic writers, you know. Mm-hmm. They wrote Ride Along 1, Ride Along 2, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're very funny guys. Right. Um, so Phil, f- uh, Phil Hay and Matt uh, Manfredi. Manfredi, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you would be getting notes from different people, but it just felt, it just, I never, you know, like I haven't done, I've only been in one other movie and that wasn't really considered a movie. Um, <laughs> and so like the teamwork was amazing and that's why I think it worked so well. I mean, everyone was just down for the cause and believed in the script. Um, well, you said it started as a drama, the script. What do you mean? Well, you said it was originally conceived as a drama. It, I mean, it's a. I mean, obviously, I'm. I'm yeah. What I'm saying is, there are light moments throughout. Right. Right. You know, it's an intense movie. You know, it's it's but it, very intense. Oh yeah, and it's uh, it's definitely um, drama horror. There's no question. There's horror elements in here. But what oh, yeah. I love about it is that um, it sets you up with these great red herrings, like. You know, you have a traumatized protagonist when he gets to this dinner party and you wonder like, well, he's been through a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Is he imagining stuff that's going on or is something actually happening? And all those things weren't on the page. Really? That's why I'm saying like, so, you know, you read the script and then like, I I, I thought, so I saw it at South by Southwest where we premiered it Mm -hmm. and it was great. But then we saw it at the Egyptian here, and I said to Logan afterwards, like, we became really close during the shooting. I go, hey, did they add a bunch of stuff? He goes, no, why? I'm like, all that stuff was there when we were in South By? And he's like, yeah. And I, I don't know if it was just, I just didn't remember any of it. You know, mm-hmm. there were, like, like a lot of those flashbacks, and, like, you, you're, like, lost a little bit. And, like, we, you know, none of that stuff was, like, really on the page. It might have, like, been written in, oh, there's a flashback. But, like, that's kind of something that it doesn't even hit you. Like, for Karen to take one location... Mm-hmm. And give it so much depth and layers by using flashback, by using music, by using sound. You know, she did a lot of things. Like the music in that movie is sick. Yeah, and, and it, even the composition of each shot, like it, it gives you this weird uh, sense of unease. Mm-hmm. Like even just the way um, the frame is composed of, you know, actor background and uh, just uh, every everything is. Uh, there's attention to detail to everything. You feel like you're looking in. And not just there, you know what right. I mean? You feel like you're watching, you know, a part, like you're in the group and then you're feeling outside of the group. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, she did an amazing job. But that, that, that goes to like um, the director's job and it's so much of the director. We've talked about this before in the show is the, is, is the casting of everybody and especially knowing, okay, this project's going to be shot at this house one location. Yeah, they have to take everything in. Close quarters. But like, that's not always the case on every film. Yeah. You know, there's casting people that do it. Karen was pretty much, I think, hands-on on everything. Her husband's one of the writers. Like, she knew this project from when they started writing it, you know? So, like, there was always a, you know, she's very close to it, you know, which right. I think helped because she knew it so well, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's the key then, because then she is smart enough to know, I don't need you to read sides. I need to know what you're like. Yeah, of course. You, you know, know what's funny is I've only booked two real acting gigs. <laughs> The Invitation, which was two years ago, and then this year I, I shot Twin Peaks. I think we talked a little bit about that. No, the, the, we didn't. Oh yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And that was off basically interviews as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, because David Lynch wasn't sharing anyone's his writing with anybody. Right. Right. So you basically, I just had to like tell a story one time, and then I had to go sit with casting and just talk to them. That was like what the how many episodes said. are you? We don't know. Really? Because David Lynch basically wrote the entire season as one giant script. Oh wow! Um, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but I did. And uh, <laughs> and then so like I guess they don't even know how many episodes it's going to be yet. Like wow. it'll get cut up later, wow. and so I don't know what I'll be in and what I won't be in. So, um, but you know, I think that's and there and and Karen will often talk about David Lynch as someone that she looks up to, and like mm-hmm. think the guy who did the music for the invitation <laughs> does a lot for for David Lynch, and. Right. So for me to like work in projects with both of them and neither of them had me audition, right? That's said something cool. yeah. about who they were as artists. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They were like, oh, let me just feel who this person is. Right. Basically, what I'm saying is they don't believe acting is really a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just an it's an it's an interview. Yeah. Well, but 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 I've heard that there's so many directors that it's more about the interview because they know that the audition process is... Yeah, yeah Because they've sure. probably been burned early on in their careers of... this. There's people out there who are great at auditioning. Oh, yeah. And right. then on the set, it's like... They freeze up. Because like you said, it's two different skill sets. Yeah. It's not even freeze up. They just... I, you know, they come in with some sort of like gimmicks in the audition room to sort of like impress casting directors which is Mm -hmm. a different to land the job to land the job and then on set they're not that directable or whatever the thing is well yeah and that's another thing people don't people might go in and land the audition they get to the table read and then they get fired at the table read yeah like people don't even know that the, the the levels it's not a done deal until you've been in half the movie you could be they yes. can't cut you yeah you know mm-hmm. even yeah, then yeah, even they even could that, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know lord of the rings yeah Viggo mortensen <laughs> he, he replaced who did he replace uh he placed another actor about how far in farther in than you would think wow um Stuart Townsend, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, he replaced him. Wow, um, that's insane. He got the job. I'm like, yeah, you don't have it anymore. No, <laughs> wow, no. In but, fact, uh, it became a joke. Jack Black was joking about it on uh, uh, when he was shooting King Kong. He's like, I better nail this, otherwise, I know Viggo Mortensen is going to replace me in two weeks. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's fucking brutal. Yeah, that's there. That's scary. <laughs> um, all right, well. Uh, Let's uh, so and it's it, it's a great film. If you haven't checked it out yet, it is on demand. Um, definitely check out the invitation. What are we at on Rotten Tomatoes right now? Do you know it was ninety one percent for what? I mean, it it did really well. It was ninety six and then ninety three, and then my mom wrote a review and it was back up to ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mom went and saw it three times. Oh, you know, she's like, I'm telling all my friends did, to go see it. <laughs> Did you create three different IMDb accounts too to get, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to get exactly, the rating up? Exactly. So where um, where where can people like? Is it still in theaters or? I think it's still in some theaters. Yeah, um, but it's on demand right now. Oh, okay. Yes, it for sure and it's demand. on iTunes, and mm-hmm. you can watch it. It's. I think it might be more fun to watch at home. I think you're absolutely right. It's a it's, confining, claustrophobic movie. Watch it at your home in a small screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. smaller screen. Um, it is currently at a, uh, it's, 
88 percent on Rotten. 88, bad. You know, so that's good. Take that, nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, all right. All right. Well, so we want to talk about some trailers? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, now, the new Star Trek trailer, uh, Beyond, I think that's what this new one is called. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm kind of done. I, I, really? Yeah. I, I, I just, I look at, after the second one, I'm like, you know, it's these are basically kind of action-y J.J. Abrams movies with the Star Trek label slapped on them. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was never really about the action in Star Trek. And that's what I really feel like this is happening. And but especially Justin, Justin Lin, you have the Fast and the Furious movie. So it's going to be even more about the action. Don't you think, do you think so. that people think that with the attention span of what people have today, that it has to be action? People don't, I feel like people don't want to see a big budget movie if it isn't. They don't want to hear dialogue and they don't want to hear... Like, see this different world. You know, that's what exploration Star Trek, to me, you know? Exactly right. And I, I that's where I, I think this movie is losing me, because I think it it's missing kind of the heart and soul of the what the franchise is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I did like the first one. Um, I know mm-hmm. we had a, a writer, Matt Weinhold, absolutely hated it. And then, uh, but the second one kind of lost me. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with the second one. And then for those reasons, it was just a mess. And now this one, after watching the trailer, I'm like, I, why even call it Star Trek? Just call it, you know, um, attractive young actors fighting each other in space. Yeah, space. Yeah. <laughs> hot space yeah. fight. Yeah, hot space fight. I would see that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next uh, trailer is Beauty and the Beast. This is Disney's next <clears throat> adaptation of one of their own animated films mm-hmm. as a uh, live action. It's just a teaser trailer. You can't really see anything mm-hmm. yet. Basically, it's announcing that it's coming in 2017 and to get your wallet ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, all right. Um, the next one, very controversial. Uh, movie Ghostbusters. What the, the controversy is? I, I don't get it. Like it's, I don't get it either. <laughs> I, I don't get the controversy I, in this. I either. mean, where's the controversy? It's like because the leads are a female. I know, but like, wh- where is the con? What is controversial right. yeah, about exactly. that? I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't get it. There, there's uh, many other valid reasons not to be excited for this film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I will say this: as four ma- female leads in comedy, as comedians, a lot of times you see female comedians. There's always this thing: oh, female comedians aren't funny, which is not true. There are plenty right. of female comedians right. that are funny yes one thing that i appreciate about female comedians is when they're not talking about being female like right just you've funny. never seen ellen talk about being female or maria bamford right. they're, they're just being funny yeah which right. i think is what the been the big thing with this is everyone has made such a big deal about the fact that it was women playing the roles instead of just being right. like they're actors being actors judge them on that not because they're women playing roles that men once played yes and, and what you can if you want to judge this uh this project um, harshly. Here's how you would do it. It's an unnecessary remake. A right. Uh, it's showing me nothing new in the trailer, and the first trailer was even didn't even have anything new or creative in it as far as jokes I... go. Now the second trailer that just dropped is uh, I'll give it a lot better than the first, but still doesn't sell me on the whole concept of remaking this film at, at all, regardless of who the leads yeah, are. Yeah, you know, I, I I feel like that's 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 a fine that's a oh hey whoa oh your down. your computer is ringing oh, unprofessional <laughs> <laughs> we're in a garage um, uh, I I yeah I feel like if. When I heard they were remaking Ghostbusters before they announced all female cast, my reaction was, eh, "Why? Right? Like, just just mm-hmm. come up with a f- new funny idea." Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So but isn't that always the case? Right. It's always so. So so that, to me, it's the judgment of the remake. Now, 
Paul Feig and these actresses, these are funny. These are funny all people. All funny people. They're super all, funny. They're all super funny, and I like Paul Feig, so that makes me go, oh, this could work. But then, like, if you're like, we're, we're doing Caddyshack. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Blues Brothers 2000. Like, we know what ha- You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would just be For like... For some things, it's like, is there any... Does anyone value anything anymore to, like, just leave some things alone? Don't touch them. They were right. great. For, like, if you ever did Ferris Bueller's Day Off again... Oh, God. Come I, on. Right. No way. Well, no I mean, way. especially if you look at Ghostbusters, guess what? The Ghostbusters 2 people didn't like. Didn't yes. do well. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. You know, you already... You have a... Exactly. Exactly. So why bother trying to remake it again? So, you know... I hope it's I hope it's funny because I like all these people and I want to see it I want to see it work I but the whole that that those dumb controversies I just leave like okay fine let the media and the dumb internet the dumb aspects right. of the internet that just, have to have something to talk about just yeah. just get bent out of shit what yeah. what's just it's Here. so dumb yeah I, I feel like there's some kind of like internet overlord that takes these little things and passes them out. Like, here, blow this out of proportion. You mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like a to, Perez to Hilton. People. Yeah. <laughs> That's what people do. Right. Yeah. So ridiculous. Uh, um, all right. What do we got coming out on DVD? How to be single. Great. Um, how is, to have nobody watch your movie. Oh, God. And this is one of those trailers where it's like, you, got, you can't do that. Like, in dating, like, it was, I remember being in college and in my early 20s and these types of movies would come out and I'd go what the fuck are the, what who who is the arbiter of these dating rules like they always these movies make these proclamations like you got in dating you have to shut up shut up especially now there's even less rules to date like just it's so dumb. It's so I, I it looks dumb. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer's dumb. It's on I've been on planes where I've watched everything else and I'm but just that. I can't I can't do this. Yeah. I've got six hours left on this flight. This is the it. only movie left. I'm watching I'm the I'm a blank I'm screen. I'll watch something else yeah. again, yeah. which I just yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Risen. This this description of this film really made me laugh on IMDB. I'm gonna read it. In 33 AD, a Roman tribune in Judea is tasked to find the missing body of an executed Jew rumored to have risen from the dead. Hmm, I wonder who this is about. <laughs> I know, I was going to say. <laughs> is there another Jesus? Is <laughs> this his twin brother and they both so, rose from the dead? It's, it's a resurrection procedural. Oh, okay. <laughs> makes sense. A Jesus prequel? Yeah. All right. So, oh my God, I thought that was so funny. So, uh, the next movie is Zoolander 2. Um, maybe I would go see Ghostbusters before that. I don't know. <laughs> Zoolander, I know, I know Zoolander is definitely like a split. I know there's some people like, hey, I loved the first one. Right. It was great. Some people, they really, it really resonates with them. Mm-hmm. I never saw the first one. Here's my problem with sequels. If your sequel is seven or to ten years after the first one, you just weren't ready to do it. You were just like, if you do a great movie and they're like, oh, yeah, let's do another one because it's hot. Mm-hmm. This to me says, oh, we didn't have anything else going on. We thought it'd be great to go back and do Zoolander. I just don't, yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I just don't yeah. get I it. I know. I feel the same way. Like, I, I mean, I guess I know some people who loved the first one and they were so fired up for this one. Look, like, oh. we got three tweets. People want a sequel. I know. Over the yeah. last 10 years, yeah. we've gotten three tweets. So we should do it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I look at and then when I see like, 
you know, Will Ferrell and crazy wigs and stuff. Yeah. And I just kind of tune out. But So I think, too, it was, it's always those movies, too, bank a lot on a nostalgic factor where, like, mm-hmm. you love this one so much. Oh, we're bringing it back. And occasionally it does work. Like, I really like the new Pee Wee movie. And right, uh, I thought right. that was really. But uh, that's like a well rebirth. Done. That's like 20 years later, right? Yeah. 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 So that's different mm-hmm. to me. That's like, mm-hmm. I'm saying there's windows. You know right. what I mean? There's mm-hmm. windows of it. There's a three year window and then like a 20 year window. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. There's yeah. a three and a yeah. 20. And yeah. then you're in between. You're just like scrapping. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers, mm-hmm. personally, those are both hilarious movies. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, uh, hey, let's just do the same thing we did in one. They, they, they mixed it up and they, you know. Mm-hmm. You guys don't agree? <laughs> guys, fuck this podcast. I'm out of here. <laughs> Did I go too deep? Is that too deep? That was very insightful. Thanks. No, about our reactions. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's what I thought you meant. We were just, we were just being very polite. Um, so the next movie is The Finest Hours. Now, this is a movie that literally came and went from the movie theater. And it was, uh, I believe it's a... What is this uh, about? A, a Coast Guard rescue. It's based on a real story. It's got like Chris Pine and a couple other people. Oh, but literally, yeah, it, yeah, it, I remember. It, it did not do well. Um, Chris Pine, Casey Affleck. Yeah, yeah. Eric Bana is like the hard-nosed. Mm-hmm. How do you mess up with those three guys? I don't know. And with it, like a true story, like, yeah. a, you know, that, and with the Coast Guard rescuing people. Ben Foster, it's mm-hmm. based on an actual thing that happened uh-huh. in 1952. I think what you do is you... I missed the twenty-year window. That's, That's what, what it, it is. is. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like it's this guy Craig Gillespie. He did Million Dollar Arm, which was that Disney film with John Hamm. He did Fright Night. He did uh, Real Girl, uh, Lars and the Real Girl. So I don't know. I think what happens how you mess this up sometimes is is you and I didn't see this movie, but my guess is why it wouldn't have worked is because or didn't stay in. The, I I think the the real event film is tougher to do than you might think. And I what happens is and this is what it looked like from the trailer and again I could be wrong that you fall into this these clichés of like I saw it and I was like, well, he's the the bad guy, he's the here's the scared wife like they're not specific to this story. They're just like archetypes that they plugged in to tell a and and you and you kind of gut the truth and the and the heart of the actual real event and the actual real people. What it sounds to me, honestly, is a wash a watered down version of the Perfect Storm, and it had nothing to do with it. I'm sure they all die, right? Or do they make a f- fantastic rescue? I don't know. Probably something like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. What a, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I, I think maybe, it yeah. is about the rescue. So I think they uh, they come back. I'm guessing. You know. Mm. But that's, I think that's true. I think they just sort of, uh, there's, you know, there's like four members of a Coast Guard set out to rescue more than 30 stranded sailors and what's going to happen. And it's, you know, and it's Walt Disney did it. So they, I think they probably just sort of watered it down and, and uh, that kind of killed it, in my opinion. Oh, and they used the actual Star Trek graphic for their uh, poster. Yeah, they took the Star with Trek. Chris Pine. In front. They just, put, they just, they just photoshopped out yeah, some Star Trek what, graphics. They just put and, a flag in the back. Oh, there you go. Oh, good. Good for them. Yeah, not, All right, outstanding. <laughs> All right, so we were gonna we're running out a little bit of time. I do want to preview for uh, next week. We're going to talk a little bit about Woody Allen movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how prescient they were. Yes. Um, um, 
but I want to talk now about uh, the site spotlight and some fan feedback. Uh, there's some great reviews up there right now. Neil's review of The Lobster and The Nice Guys, CJ's review of Green Room, and Scrugulous posted an update about Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote. Um, now, I want to mention this. Uh, last week we talked about uh, Michael Fassbender and Assassin's Creed and how this was kind of a uh, vanity credit where he got attached. Now, I got uh, some feedback from people saying that he was actually cast very early on. He became a producer. He brought. He was more involved in this process, uh, and he brought Macbeth director uh, on board and Marion Cotillard. Cotillard. Oh yeah, Cotillard. Cotillard. Yeah. Cotillard. Yeah. yeah. With him. Now, here's the thing, though. This is still a vanity credit. I doubt. Let's not overemphasize Michael Fassbender's. Um, contributions creatively to this project. Well, I don't know, it's, Chris, because I I read that when I read that those those posts too. I th- mm-hmm. I actually thought, well, maybe then this is going to be cooler than we think, because if he is, because he's not a guy that just slaps his name on and makes stupid bullshit. Right. My thinking, and maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is that it is a really cool film. They cut the trailer to be, hey, video gamers. Right. Come out for the video. You, you like the video game. Watch this movie versus this is a really cool Fassbender project. I think that is optimistic. <laughs> and and I, I see it more as, uh, as that kind of uh, publicity hype where they, they kind of <laughs> overemphasize a very small uh, contribution where he was brought in before and he never played the game before the production began. Um, so I, I think this is like Spielberg producing Transformers. <laughs> All right. Like his name's on it. Spielberg Transformers is going to be great. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and, uh, when they interviewed, remember, remember that movie Rock of Ages with Tom Cruise and Alec Baldwin? Yes. Yeah. Where they interviewed every actor and everyone said how amazing the film was and how it was really the script that, uh, attracted him to it. And all, it, like, it was like you're hitting every beat that a publicist, uh, a talking point is putting out, mm-hmm. you know? So I really feel like this is the kind of thing where Fassbender did get attached early on as an actor. He was maybe, um, involved a little bit, but I'm still skeptical about his complete influence into this film. Right. And uh, you know, somebody else said, "Well, no, he wrote it." I'm like, "Well, if he wrote it, his credit is not on IMDb, All so right, well, I don't, we'll I don't think so." Uh, All right. So yeah. So you know, I, I am a gamer. I haven't played Assassin's Creed. I am interested to see how this will go, but I probably won't rush out into theater to see. All right. It. All right, but it sounds like you might. I'm, I'm going to yeah, see it. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm all fast bendery. Okay, I'm not a gamer. It <laughs> <laughs> is man. Fast all right, friends. fair enough. I think we uh, might have flip flopped on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and premiering this week, this is Alice Through the Looking Glass. This is the Tim Burton sequel. I really, really hate his remakes. I love his original work. Uh, I don't think this will be any exception. I will be going to see it with my kids, but oh. uh, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. I'm curious to see what yeah. you think of it. Because it's, you know, it's got a lot of, you know, it's, it's I love Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. I think there's, you know. Um, he, he's in it? Yeah, he is. He's wow. like the time master or somebody, you know, whatever That's they cool. call him. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like you know, the, I agree with you though on the Tim Burton call when he does his original things and like we get to get in your brain of your right. thoughts that's where it's, it's just amazing. like you're yeah. so talented but you know what at the same time 
to have a mind like that to continually create mm. is you know how hard that is like people forget like how hard it is like that's a reason Quentin Tarantino well I mean well he uses other people's stuff but like <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson sure. or Wes Anderson they only make so many movies because how creative right. can you be you know mm. I mean I don't that like just you can't just crank out this the most unique vision no. that's ever right. existed you know for every big fish we get a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and a Planet of the Apes exactly you know yeah. so <laughs> I'll take them right <laughs> you know what I mean my thinking is like is if if he's got to feed the monkey, if this, right? Yeah. If this if this you know keeps the lights on in the yeah. in the fun house to every seven years. By the way, that and I don't think that's even a euphemism, right? No, exactly. <laughs> well, like David Lynch directs commercials. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean. You got to pay the bills if that's so what, that so, you can make the, your passion. It's and, great. and if he's got some crazy project in the works that's still three years away, and he's got to do this movie to get it done, I'm all for it. All I'm right. all for it. That's fair enough. I, I think I, when I reviewed. Uh, um, big eyes. Mm-hmm. I was talking about how much I enjoyed it, and you could tell this was a movie Tim Burton really wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was saying about how much I hated these remakes, but I, you know, I, I, I always say like I wish he would just make the movies he wants to make, so then I could just watch the movies I want to watch. Ah, you yeah, know, yeah. and because those are always my favorites. Uh, okay, next is X Men Apocalypse. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I, I do. You know, I have liked the last couple X-Men movies. I'm hoping this kind of keeps the trend moving forward of having them just interesting. But uh, I will say it looks a little explosion-y. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that's just the trailer. It looks like, well, okay, well, how many things are we going to watch blow up? I, I Here's what my... The X-Men movies, I'm always like, this looks cool. I'm excited for it. I'm never as pumped for it as I am for, like, the... Civil War, the Avengers, yeah, and Iron Man, and mm-hmm. Captain America: Civil War. I mean, those, I, those are like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Right. I was like, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, like and that's and that's the, about it. The the one that uh, I think did both for me, where I thought it was a really solid movie and also just really fun, was X Men: First Class. Uh-huh. That's still by far my favorite one. And then um, every other X Men movie, has varying degrees of quality and success. <laughs> <laughs> um. So again, you know, it's not you take these ideas that come from great individuals that came up with these amazing ideas and then you plug it into a machine where they're putting, hey, can you write this movie and take all these original ideas that are original characters and make them all be part of one thing? It's it's just going to be eye candy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not going to come from a soul. No. And and hate to give you the truth. Yeah. You soulless. And Hollywood's still doing that thing, although they're getting better at it, thank God, is that, you know, hiring people to work on these projects that have no idea or connection to the source material. It's like the first two Spider-Man movies were, because Sam Raimi was an amazing Spider-Man fan. He was like a huge Spider-Man fan, and it came through in the movies. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I do want to see this. All right. That's our show. Done. (laughs) Box it up. Yeah. Um, Lock it down. Well, thanks for being on the show. Great to be here, guys. Where thanks can, for having where me. Where can people find you online, your podcast, uh, your Twitter? I'm J. Larson Comedy on all social media, jlarsoncomedy.com. And the podcast is The Crab Feast Podcast. You can go to thecrabfeast.com, and we come out on every Tuesday on all things comedy iTunes, Stitcher. And you got great Zoom. fans too, it's by the way. Some show, great, man. great I, fans. When I when people. I was on there and promoted the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. when that episode dropped, huge yeah. jump. Well, they're yeah, they're passionate and mm-hmm. they they're just. You know, I'm always impressed by them, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm proud to be a part of Feaster Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. If you guys, anyone listening, has not listened to Crap Feast, it's great. Go and, listen to your episodes. Yes, yeah, listen yeah. to Chris's they're both on there. Chris talking about being a family man and me being a degenerate criminal. Yes, yeah. <laughs> my criminal upbringing <laughs> well we got a real insight into 
the the Hollywood lifestyle with Chris. Oh yeah, <laughs> there was some good stuff I talked about. Um, um, I had a ghost story, honeymoon story. Yeah, I had all sorts of stuff we went into. Right. What I love is you guys like like all right, pick some stories, but then you guys do all right. Well, here's some story starters, like suggestions, mm-hmm. yeah. and then it always I was. Oh, yeah, I do have a story about yeah, it. Yeah, everyone forgets. You just got to get into it. Yep. It's 100% true. They're very good uh, police interrogators. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Graffis is a cop interrogation show. That's what it is. Masked is two comedians. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're investigators. Uh, all right, well, that's our show, you guys. Uh, of course, LAPodfest.com. Tickets, we're announcing more shows. And, um, yeah. And, uh, oh, San Francisco Documentary Festival. Earbuds will be there June 4th and 7th. Um, We will be there both dates. Doing uh, doing Q&As at both dates. Some of you asked that online. And um, some other people might be up there. But come check it out. You can buy tickets. You can just buy tickets like single. You don't have to buy a whole pass to the festival if you don't want to. You just buy, yeah, single single movie tickets. Single movie tickets to either June 4th, which is a Saturday, and I think Mm -hmm. it's at 4.15 in the afternoon. And then the 7th is a Tuesday, and that's, I think, a 9 o'clock-ish start. Yes. Mm -hmm. So... Go to sf.fest or go to all the – we've posted the, the link to mm-hmm. our page on all that. So uh, that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you, Jay Larson. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.